G'day and welcome to Turning Your Cruising Dreams into Reality podcast. I'm Jackie Parry and it's good to have your company. Today I'm going to tell you a story about our brief stay at Nui. So it's about the destination of the last jaw in the Pacific Crown. This episode is brought to you by Pantaneous Yacht Insurance. The tremor in my voice is obvious to me. But I hope the others in our small group cannot hear it. If I don't go now, I'm not going to do it, I murmur. Everyone moves aside, almost as one, to let me go, revealing that they are all only too aware of my fear, hard as I have been trying to hide it. We are 15 metres underground in a silent, echoing cave. Only the solemn plop of icy, fresh water can be heard, interspersed between our awed whispers. I take two big breaths and temporarily forget the chill of the sapphire water. Two metres down, I turn underwater to head through to the next cave. My thrashing arms and legs fight for propulsion and I feel stuck in a current that doesn't exist. Suddenly I see the torchlight from our guide and head to the surface seeking much needed oxygen. Then a firm hand reaches down and pushes my head back under. I'm coming up too early and my soft head is on course for sharp and jagged rock. Fighting my panic, I swim farther along and the hand releases me. I break back into my world with the sweet smell of air. In reality, I had been underwater only a few seconds and swum for only a few metres. That was pretty easy, I grinned with a relief. The tour is informal and the sign to the entrance of the sunken paradise makes it perfectly clear that anyone entering does so at their own risk. Willie Kalar, our guide, is not being paid for his time. He owns a bar and hopes that we will repay him by drinking there later. Hours later, as we keep our part of the bargain and relax at his bar, we hear of how his great-grandfather helped pioneer Nui's banana production. The Kalars have their roots deep in the tiny island. Centuries ago, they had a hand in blasting through the rocks to enable supply ships to make their deliveries via a dock. Nui might be just a small island, but it is a country in its own right. It sits like a gem in an ocean of gold, about 230 nautical miles directly east of Tonga and 672 nautical miles east of Suva and Fiji. And it's one of the last jewels in the ornamental circumnavigation ring for Aussie sailors. 20 mooring boys are on offer for visiting boats, a bargain at $5 a day. 
Anchoring is difficult in deep coral waters, with boats coming and going. Most days there are several available moorings. Getting ashore is exciting. The sheer cliff face and rolling seas do not allow beach landings. A concrete jetty with a small crane is the only way to make landfall. Hoisting yourself and all your gear from dinghy to slippery concrete steps is like riding a galloping horse while trying to stand up. Timing is critical and you need to ride the swells for a while and understand the movement before making your move. One unlucky blighter stays in the dinghy while the crane is lowered. Having your straps ready first is imperative. Once the hook is secure, the crane operator, i.e. whoever is standing nearest, can lift the dinghy. A trolley is provided and everyone lines their dinghies up neatly. It's like a car park in Woolworths. After a few shaky starts, we're all dab hands at the process. Single-handers manage the feet, unassisted, if no one is nearby to give a hand. Alofi, Nui's main town, is small, friendly and funky. The quiet streets carry the good-humoured laughter of local lads shooting pool. Outside the popular internet cafe, shady trees stand proud, under which boaties exchange information, as only sea gypsies can. Watering holes perch on the headland, where we can peer 30 metres down over our silent boats, fueling enticing dreams. Towards the end of the town, square blocks of concrete foundations sit in vivid gardens, where once upon a time houses stood. In 2004, a hurricane kicked up waves, reaching up over the massive rock structure to wash buildings away. The hospital and lives and dreams were carried away. The town is rebuilding, but still has a long way to go to complete recovery. Plane fares to Nui are extraordinarily expensive, so there is little income from tourism to boost the economy and aid the recovery. One of the highlights of our visit is meeting with the island's premier, who stops by for a chat as we're sitting enjoying a cool beer in town with some fellow cruisers. As he sips his beer, we can feel his excitement and love for his country. He tells of how he recently lost his wife and the guilt he feels at having worked such long hours when she was alive. His honesty, friendliness and down-to-earth spirit are refreshing. Having a taste of mopeds in Atataki, my husband Noel and I are rather eager to hire bikes and explore this tiny country. Two other cruising couples join us. James and Anne on board sailing vessel Novia. And Novia means sweetheart. They are a very nice and typical British couple with an extra dose of daring. James has always wanted to ride a bike, but never has. Noel gives him a five minute crash course, literally, because he forgets to point out the rear brake on the 125cc motor. 
James jumps on, starts up, amazingly gets the wheels turning first go and hoons off straight into a bush. James comes back on foot with a few bloody scratches on his cheek. And he's speechless. And none of us really know what to say while holding our belly cramping giggles in. <clears throat> Starts Jane. Are you ready, Anne? All heads turn to Anne with wide eyes. Yep, she smiles. She jumps on board and off they go. The empty roads are perfect for novices and old hands alike. The freedom of flow, where ideas and thoughts enter your mind, surge through and spill out before they take hold. It's really what I like about motorbikes. A bit like sailing. The island's 67 kilometre circle road worms through pockets of communities that are nearing extinction. Vacant houses, bolted church doors and limp business signs smother the odd occupied home where residents try to shut out the failing town with pretty curtains and freshly painted front doors. Each town feels desolate, a feeling born out by the stray hungry dogs, bored grubby kids and obvious lack of money. On the positive side, the natural scenery is beautiful. Volcanic moonlike rock topped with skin-tearing shards line the path that weaves between the heavy jungle. Enormous ugly spiders hang in trapezes in the trees. Breaking through the foliage, the pacified Pacific Ocean greets us and we watch the strength of the waves pummel the land. Enterprising locals have built ladders and steps to allow the adventurers to do their thing. Securely tied to a 10 metre sheer drop is a strong wooden ladder. At the foot is an enclosed beach that, after traversing huge boulders, leads to a secret garden. If a mermaid stepped from the water and offered us a rainbow, I don't think we would have been surprised. In the peaceful silence, vivid climbing greens cling along the sheer rock faces and startlingly blue clear pools urge us in for a cool swim. All a welcome balm to our constantly moving tired bodies. Alas, time ticks on and again we have to say farewell. Next stop is Tonga. As we get closer to home and completing our circumnavigation, we are becoming more and more conscious that our voyage is almost over. Watching Nui shrink in the distance, we know we will never return and feel privileged to have experienced this small and unique little world. I do hope you enjoyed that little insight to Nui, another place in the Pacific that is very dear to our hearts with vivid memories that make my heart skip when I think about them. It was an absolute privilege to be able to stop there.
If you'd like to see some pictures and photos, go along to sistershiptraining.com and click on articles where I'll post that article as text with some pictures. There's plenty of other podcasts, articles and tips on our website. So do take a look and say good day. That's all I have time for today. Many thanks for joining me again and I wish you safe sailing.